that's a hard act to follow there. Anytime that they come up and they uh, they make you smile, because y'all smiled during that, didn't you? And they make you want to tap your feet, because y'all tapped your feet, didn't you? Man, somebody comes up and makes you smile and tap your feet, and then you got to come after that as the preacher. Y'all don't smile much when I get up here. I'm just going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be honest, uh, and I, I don't know if you ever tap your feet, uh, but thank y'all so much for that this morning. Genesis chapter 1, if you would join me there, you don't have too far to go to find it, the first book of the Bible. Uh, we are beginning a new series this morning. We're going to work our way through the book of Genesis, not all at one time. If you're familiar with the book of Genesis, you know it's a bit of a lengthy book, so we will We'll take it by portions. We will be in Genesis for a little while, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back. But we will eventually work our way through Genesis. But um, as we look at this book, the name of the book itself, Genesis, means beginning or origin. And that's really what we're going to see specifically today, but not only today is, but today we'll see the origin of all things. Outside of God himself, the beginning of all things, where they began, how they came into existence. We'll see that today. But not only today, when we're in chapter 1, we're going to see the origin of covenants. We're going to see the origin of God's promise to people. We're going to see the origin of the people that God is choosing to reveal himself to the rest of the world. And in a day and time when everything is debated... In a day and time when questions like, how did we get here? What is our purpose? Why do we exist? Who is in control? When questions like that abound everywhere, I thought it'd be a good time for us to step back and look at the book of Genesis together. So uh, three or four things that I want you to see this morning. Um, if you like preachers having three points, then imagine this is three. If you're okay with four, it's four. But I want you to see this this morning. I want you to see who it is that created everything. I want to, That's going to be very clear this morning. Who is the person that created everything? We're going to see what he created. We're going to see how he created it. If you want to put those two together, put them together. What he created and how he created it. And then the last thing that we're going to see this morning is why. Why did he do that? Why did he create the things that he created? If we see those things, we will be well set up to move forward. So look with me in Genesis chapter 1. I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you'll stop there for just a minute. I know we didn't go too far. And I am committed. I want you to know now. I'll tell you up front because if I say it out loud, I have to do it. I am committed to not staying in one area of the book of Genesis for too long. We could spend the entire morning today just on verse 1. But for your sake, I am committed to not do that. So, we will, we will see this and then we'll move on. But there is so much that we see right here in verse 1. As we're seeing the introduction to all of the Holy Scriptures, God wants us to know that in the beginning... There was God, and there was nothing else. We see that here in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But before those things were created, God existed. 
and only God existed. So here, one of the things that we see first is that we are introduced to God. The word here, the Hebrew word is Elohim. Some of you have heard that word before. It's not God's personal name. Here it doesn't say, in the beginning, Yahweh created the heavens and the earth. That's God's personal name that he gives to us. We'll see that later in Genesis when he gives us the personal name that he goes by. But here, this is the generic word for God, the God, the, the one that, that you would know is above everything else. In the beginning, God existed and nothing else existed and God des decided to create the heavens and the earth. Now, this idea of God existing on his own isn't only seen here in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1. It's seen all throughout the Bible. I just want to read to you briefly two scriptures. You don't have to turn here. But 1 Timothy 1.17 says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And in Psalm chapter 90 verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. One God existed before anything else. God has no origin. God has no beginning. It doesn't here talk about the beginning of God. It doesn't talk about the, the starting point of God. It talks about the starting point of the things that God created because God has no starting point. He has existed forever and ever, and he will exist forever and ever. Now, that is hard for our minds to fathom. I've spent time trying to think about it before, and I've also read psychologists say that it is literally incomprehensible, that we and our finite understanding, that we cannot understand something that has no beginning, but that's our God. And that's okay because I don't, I don't in any way try to say that I understand everything about God. I don't and I can't understand it, but I do trust the scriptures when they say that God is from everlasting to everlasting, that he has no beginning, that he has always been. So here we're introduced to God. We're told that this God has lived forever. Something else that's very clear from the creation account that I want to make sure that we're aware of today is the God that we see here, the God that we worship, exists as one God in three persons. The Trinitarian view of God, as we call it, but the fact that God, that there's only one God, that's made clear in verse 1. It doesn't say in the beginning God's Elohim, there's no S put on it, and that is a word that can have an S put on it. It's not here. One God created the heavens and the earth. But then in verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So here, all of a sudden, we see another aspect of God, another person of God. We have God, and then we have the Spirit of God, given as a separate entity of God. So now here we see two parts. There is God, and there is the Spirit of God. And you don't have to turn there. I believe we have these verses for you. But then in John chapter 1, which also gives us some of the creation story. 
we read this in John 1 1 it says in the beginning just as verse 1 here in the beginning God created John 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God so now we have seen God Elohim we have seen the spirit of God being here at the beginning and we have also seen the word and the question would be who is the word but in John 1 14 it becomes very apparent because it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth who is the son of God the son of the father who came to be born in flesh so that we could see who God is and how amazing God is Jesus so here we see in Genesis chapter 1 I'm telling you I told you there's a lot here in verse 1 we see that there is only one God we see that that one God has existed forever and ever and that he will exist forever and ever we also see that that one God exists in three distinct persons that's a lot to take in in just one verse do y'all need a minute you can take a minute it's an amazing picture that we see of God there's so much richness here but we also see as we continue this morning in verse 1 that this God did something and the thing that we're looking at that he did this morning is that he created he created the heavens and the earth so let's look there I'll give you point one I'm sorry point one God is the one and only God that's point one. The first thing we see here is that there's only one God. He does exist in three persons, but he's one God. It's given in the singular form that he is God and he is the only God. He's the only one that's existed forever and ever. Everything else that exists, we're going to see in just a moment, was created by him. He is God. He's the only God. And there is only one God. But here we also see that he created. So what is it that he created? Well, verse 1 makes it pretty simple for us to understand. It says God created the heavens and the earth, and what that means is literally everything. All of the things that we see, all of the things that are above us that we can see, all of the things that are outside of our realm of understanding that we cannot see, all of it was created by God. But I do want us to see here from the text, more specifically, some of the things that he created. So if you have your Bibles, make sure you're with me because we don't have all these scriptures on the screen because I'm trying to move quickly here. But as we go through chapter 1, I'll reference some and I'll read some, but verse 1 tells us everything, the heavens and the earth. Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So God also created the light. In Proverbs chapter 8, where we're not going to turn, we see that God created the waters that we see here in verse 2 that the Spirit is hovering above then in verse 6 we're told that God separated he created a separation so that we would have the waters below and the waters above or the waters of the sky and the waters of the earth that's in verse 6 then in verse 9 and God said let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear and it was so so here God creates all the dry land and in verse 11, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, and which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. So now God has created 
the heavens and the earth, and he's created the light and the water and the separation of the waters and the dry land, and now he's created all of the plants. In verse 14, God creates all of the things that we see in the sky, the sun, the stars, the moon, all of those heavenly bodies, as we would refer to them. He creates all of them in verse 14. In verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. All of the things that swim in the water, all of the things that fly in the sky, God created them. In verse 24, it says that God created all the other animals, the ones that live on the land. He created all of those. And then in verses 26 and 27, some that are very important to us, we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, that plurality of God, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Thus, we see all of the things that God created. Now, that was really quick. That was a really fast overview. But John chapter 1, verse 3 sums it up, in my estimation, really, really well. You say, Brother Zach, you went through that too fast. I didn't get to catch everything. Let me sum it up for you. John 1, 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, that's my kind of logic there, right? That is just regular old person logic. What did God make? Everything. Everything that you see was made by God, and if you see it, then God made it. Simple as that. I like that answer. Point two, all things were created by God. I know these points are really, really difficult today, right? One God and only one God. God created everything. I said, man, Brother Zach, Brother Zach was taking it easy this week. Listen, these things we may take for granted, but brothers and sisters, these are not things that everybody agrees with, and these are not points and things that we can overlook. But something else that's amazing to me, absolutely amazing to me, is the third thing that I want us to see today, how. Right? How did God make those things? How do you make light when there is no light? How do you make dry land and water when there are no molecules? How do you make an earth that you have just formed all of a sudden bring forth life from it in plants and animal form. How do you do that? Fascinating question. I'm just going to read a few of the verses here in Genesis chapter 1 because I'll tell you that these give us an, a picture and everything else is created is created the same way. Verse 3 again, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 11, And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. 
Verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. How does God, how did God create all of the things that he created? He simply spoke them into existence. Absolutely fascinating for me to stop and try to comprehend. How did God make light? He just said it, and it happened. How did he make an earth? How did he make water? How did he make plants? How did he make, how did he make these things? He said, let it be, and it happened. It says, and God said, and then it says what he said, and it says, and it was so. When our God says it, it happens. He has that sort of authority. He has that sort of ability. He has that sort of power that he can do anything that he wants to simply by saying it. This doctrine that we see here is called creation ex nihilo. Creation from nothing. Or creation out of nothing that's how God created everything now why is that important why did I give that to you that I'm, I'm not just trying to give you uh, Latin phrases that you can try to memorize to sound important I tell you that this morning because that runs contrary to almost every other origin and beginning story that you will find anywhere in the world I was studying this week a specific commentary that teaches about some of the ancient uh, ancient traditions of other ancient societies that lived when the Israelites lived. And it says, in almost every single one, it actually says in all of them, here's how their creation story begins. There is more than one God, and those plural gods are all fighting to be in charge of the world and the people that already exist. The world's here, the people are here, and there's more than one God, and they're fighting each other. That doesn't sound anything like the story that we have here. All of them would say that we're wrong. What about our day and time? What does our day and time say? It says, well, it says there is no God, right? There is no Elohim. There is no God anywhere in any way. And all of the things were already here. The technical term for it is cosmic soup, I believe. The cosmic soup already existed, and then there was the Big Bang, or whatever other theory that you adhere to, some cosmic thing happened, and it made all of that cosmic soup turn into everything that we have today in the orderly fashion that it is. That's the societal view that we live in today, which is much different than what we see here. And we could go, we could spend a lot of time asking questions like, well, how did the cosmic soup get here anyways and all that? But here's what I want you to see today that the biblical account stands completely different than all the other creation accounts that the world has ever known. The biblical account says that there weren't many gods that were fighting because there's only one God and he doesn't have any rivals. Nobody fights against my God. Nobody battles him. He doesn't have to, to go to war with anybody to get what he wants because he's the only one. There is only one God, and he doesn't need anybody's help building things. He doesn't need some Legos or some Play-Doh that he can put together. No, there can be nothing, and he speaks, and things happen. That's the God that I serve. That's the God of the Bible. He is completely sovereign over everyone and everything. When he says it, it happens. And that's how everything got here. Because my God said 
he wanted it to be here. And in that, we see the authority of God over all of creation. Everything that exists, exists because God wanted it to exist. Everything that exists, exists because God spoke it into being. The God that I serve is unlimited in power and authority and in wisdom. And he could say, you know what? I want to make a sun, this, this bright star that gives off energy, and I'm going to make an earth for people to live on, and I'm going to put them just this far apart so the sun can make the earth warm and can make the plants grow, but it won't burn things up. And he knew exactly how far that needed to be. And he said, I will make that earth so that it rotates so that there can be days and nights and the people will be able to rest better. And I'm going to make it so that this rotates around the sun. You know what, I'm going to make a moon that rotates around that earth so the tidal patterns will change in just the way that they need to so that the shores aren't broken in some way. And God knew all of that. He didn't do it by trial and error. He knew all of that before anything existed, and he spoke it all into existence in the perfect way that we see it now. And then, after he had put together all those things, he said, I'm going to make one more thing, and I'm going to make this thing humans to have my image and my likeness so that I can give them authority from me to be in charge of all the other things that I've created. And every human that's ever existed, he knit together in their mother's womb to be the perfect human that they were had a number and a plan for all of their days and made them special as they are. And that was the pinnacle of his creation. And he's given us authority to be over all the things that we see here on the earth. Point three, God created all that exists out of nothing simply by the power of his word. God created all that exists out of nothing. That's very important. And he did it simply by the power of his word. There's only one question that's left that I need to answer. One more thing that I want you to see this morning. Why did God do it? Now there's debate, there's, there's great debate about this. Of the people that do believe in God, some believe that God created because he was lonely. Some people believe that God created because he in some way needs us. That, our, that he has to have our worship. There are a lot of different things that are thrown out there. But I want to show you from Colossians chapter 1 this morning where it gives us the clear explanation of what we see. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 20 say this, speaking of Jesus, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And in that verse, we find the answer. Why did God create us? He created us for himself. He created us for his purpose. He continues, Paul here, in verse 17, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace 
by the blood of his cross. In this, Paul gives us this theology of why God created everything. Why did he create everything? For himself, for his glory, we were all created. To point to who he is and what he can do, he created all the things that we see. Point four, it's another simple one. All things were created for God. And I want to add, it's not part of the point, but I want to add, and don't let us forget it. All things were created for God, and don't let us forget it. Of all the doctrines in Christianity, this is probably one of the most inflammatory ones to the society that we live in. This is one of the ones that they would dispute and despise and reject the most. That not only is there one sovereign God that created everything, not only is that God in charge of everything, but that we all exist for Him and for His glory. That he deserves our worship. When you say things like that, you really get people riled up. But it's what the scriptures say, so we have to believe it. We have to adhere to it. That we were created for him. That means for his purpose. For whatever he calls us to do, whatever he wants us to do, whatever he decides is fitting for us, that's why we were created. We were created for him. Not for ourselves, not for anyone else. We were created for God. And I would add this. If you agree with the first three points today, then this one should logically follow. If you believe that there is only one God that existed before everything else, and that he is the one that made everything that exists, and that he was able to do that from nothing by the power of his word, if you believe those things, then in my mind it logically follows that you exist for that God. Because without him, you would not have been created. So you owe your very being to him. That makes sense. That's logical. Without him, I wouldn't even exist. So I owe my life to him. This God is the authoritative and the only wise God. He knows why you, why you were created. He knows the plan for your life. So why wouldn't we follow that plan? Why wouldn't we give our life to him? Why wouldn't we follow his purpose? If he's the one that knows why I was created, then why wouldn't I listen to him when I'm trying to decide why I'm here? We see here that not only did he create us, but he's the one that holds everything together. So not only would I not exist if it weren't for him because he made me, but also everything would fall apart if he wasn't holding it together. I owe every bit of my existence completely to God. I'm not holding things together. I'm not making this all work. God is. He's the only one that is. And as we'll see over the next couple of weeks, and we see mentioned here in verse 20, that, that not only did he make everything, as if that weren't enough, that he's the one that made everything, he's the one that's holding it all together, he's the one that's in control of all of it, but even more than that, once he made us, and then we rebelled against him, and said, you know what, I do want to try and rival you, I want to be in charge, I want to do things my way, and we all sinned and we all messed up, he didn't say, well then I'm done with you, he didn't cut bait and run and say, good luck, deal with it on your own. No, when we messed up, the God that created us, the God that exists outside of time and space, the God that is infinite in everything, decided that he would leave heaven and step down into the creation that he had made, become a human like us, 
live the perfect life that we didn't, and then die in our place as a sacrifice for us. Why would I not owe everything to that God? As he says here in verse 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, to purchase back what he created, and then we messed up, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Brothers and sisters, we were created for God, we exist for God, and our lives should reflect that. Our lives should make that clear. And I would ask you this morning, does your life reflect that? If you say you agree with everything I've said this morning, then I would ask you, does your life agree with everything I've said this morning? Does your, do you live a life that says, I exist for God and for God alone? God is the only one that can decide the purpose of my life and the path that I'm going to live. Not me, not my spouse, not my children, not my parents. God alone is the one that gets to decide the path that I'm going to walk down. Is that the kind of life that you live? Are those the kind of conversations that you have? Is that how you make the decisions that you make day in and day out? If you're here this morning and for the first time this makes sense, you've never heard it put this way, you've never understood that you wouldn't even exist without Him, and that even though you do exist, that you'd fall apart if it weren't for Him, and even though He made you and He's the only one that holds you together, that when you messed up, that He gave His own life in order to offer you forgiveness for your mistakes. So not only is He authoritative, but He is loving all loving he cares for you he said I would rather die than you have to be separated from me I would rather suffer and go through terrible pain than you to have to pay for the punishment that you deserve brothers and sisters God not only is in charge of you and should be in charge of you but God loves you and he wants a relationship with you and if you've never understood that before today but now you do and you wonder, what do I do now? Then I would ask you in just a moment to come and talk to me. And let me show you what the Bible says about taking a step of faith, of declaring that God is going to be the God of your life, about declaring your allegiance to Him, about giving your life over to Him. Let me show you how the Bible explains that to us. If you have questions, I would love to be able to answer those. But I also would say this morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, then you have to answer the question that I've already asked. If you believe all these things, does your life reflect it? Or do you say, I know that God's only God, but sometimes you act like you're a rival of God, and that you should be the one making the decisions, that you know what's right in certain circumstances, that you pick and choose the teaching from His Word that He gave us, the ones that you like and the ones that you don't. Brothers and sisters, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, but you're not living like these things are true, I would ask that you would repent. I believe the Scriptures call us to repent of that and declare again clearly that God is the only God that there is. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to have a time of response. Sam's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. And if you want to pray where you are, or if you'd like to come and, and kneel at these stairs and pray like an altar, if you'd like to come, I would love to pray with you.
you have a question, I would love to answer it. If you have something you need to declare and make public, we'd love for you to do that. If you want to just stand where you are and sing out of joy for who God is and what he's done, you do that. But you respond in the ways the Lord's called you to as Brother Sam leads us.